I, I oftentimes will um, suggest to people to spend time and and feel your pre-wounded little boy or little girl before you did anything wrong, <laughs> before anybody told you you were, right. did anything wrong. You're just and you just you knew how to love and you yeah, just absolutely. you wanted to be good and do good and you knew you were good. And then that's the person to maybe write a letter to or to just feel and to invite their input and or to just let them know that you grew up and it's it's all going to be okay. You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back. I'm Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And you know, this is a podcast where we are on a mission to help individuals, teams, and organizations really think outside the box and go beyond limiting labels and beliefs um, so that you can do the work that you were put here to do and live fully into who you are authentically. And our guest today is going to tell us all about doing that. So let me tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on. His name is Corey Lyon Folsom, and he is a man of many talents. So from professional tracker to wilderness guide for the newly sober, Corey's journey has led him to a profound spiritual awakening. And since 2012, he's been transforming lives worldwide as he combines body awareness, inner wisdom, effective communication, all to enhance life's clarity and ease. Two of my favorite things being clear and having ease. Um, his book, Soul Statements, a love, a love Coach's Guide to Successful Communication, offers us tools for self-awareness and positive thinking. And that is something I'm particularly interested in learning about from Corey today, as so many of us are struggling with that. How do we hold our mind in the right headspace? So with that, let's officially welcome Corey Lyon Folsom to the podcast. Hi, Corey. Hi, Sarah. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. There are many directions we could go. And I think what I want to ask you to do is look back a little bit at your own diverse experiences. I just mentioned a tiny bit. You have so many more. Um, but I'm thinking about the way you've guided others through their own spiritual and emotional journeys and recovery, what was one of the most unexpected turning points, though, in either your own journey of transformation or that of someone you've helped that just kind of you went, whoa, that was really beyond expectation? Yeah. Um, well, I immediately think back to this uh, young man, 17 years old, in a, we were, I mean, when we say wilderness, it's, you know, at, hours and hours of driving on bad dirt roads to get to just pavement, let alone a town. So we're really out there. And he was, he was new people. There'd be a group and people would come in in ones and twos and graduate the same way. And so he came in, unfortunately, um, not that many days from uh, methamphetamine use. And so he was not feeling well and he wasn't, liking the the program and walking around and making fires without matches and all this fun what I think of as fun stuff and so he decided uh he would just light out and the heck with all of us he would just walk and eventually he would get somewhere that's that was the plan well we were we were on kind of a we we did get to kind of a road and who's following a lot along that going up and up and up deeper into the mountains actually. And he was ranting and raving and just angry at everything, including me and my, you know, co instructor who was there with me. And we just kept a distance back and let him, um, shout and yell and call us names. And we were, we were just, as long as we kept him in sight, we felt like, you know, if he gets in trouble, we can help him. Uh, 
but at one point, I mean, it had, got, it had gotten dark. It was all the way dark. And so we were a little closer. Um, and he, he had gone around a bend. And we kind of picked up the pace because we wanted to, you know, keep him in a visual. Uh, and he had stopped <laughs> at the bend and was waiting for us to catch up. And so we came around and all of a sudden we're 10 feet apart from each other. And we, he stood there and we stood there. And he just, he stepped forward and raised his arms. And I thought in that instant, he's going to hit me. And I also thought in that same connected instant, it's okay. You know, it'll, whatever it is, it'll be okay. And he gave me a big hug and he broke down and he said, you know what? You guys are just trying to help me. I can see that. Um, yeah, let's just go back. And so we just went back and let it, you know, we didn't make a big deal of it. And he got in, incorporated back into the flow of the group and finished out his, I think that was six weeks and went on to, you know, better and better choices in his life. So that was a big turning point for that one person. And that's what we live for is, is that. Are, the turning points aren't always that dramatic, though, yeah. are they? <laughs> That's true. No, That's I mean, that was a clear-cut turning point. Yeah. What struck me as you were saying that is here he was putting himself out there probably in his not best self, right, trying to yell at you and be aggressive verbally, and you guys didn't ditch him, right? Mm -hmm. You stayed with him. That's a huge metaphor, you mm -hmm. know, for it's like, hey, sometimes we're ugly. And we still have people who love us and care about us. You right. know, that'll stay with us. So, yeah. And God's yeah. not abandoning any of us. Yeah, it's hard to know that when you're deep in despair, though, right? Indeed. Especially coming off of drugs where you're not in your right, right space anyway. Right, right. And then on your own journey and evolution, what was one of your own moments where you went, oh, wow. Mm. Let's see. Um, I can remember being five years old and my parents sitting me down and explaining that I was adopted. And I listened to what they said. And I can remember walking outside and standing in our little driveway and just trying to make sense of it. So I said, okay, so there's these other people, there's other man and this other woman somewhere who I don't know, I don't know their names, that they were my parents. And now then there's these people, mom and dad, that are in the house. And I just stood there for the longest time trying to absorb <laughs> this new paradigm. And I can remember consciously making the decision of, I, I remember feeling oh, I want my mom and dad. But then I remember thinking, they're not here. I don't know anything about them. And then I looked at the house and I'm like, there's a mom and dad who want me. And I thought to myself, I'm going with that. Uh, they'll be my mom and dad. And so it is. And so I walk, remember walking back in the house and life went on and I accepted them as mom and dad. How is that acceptance? Have you seen that acceptance kind of play out in other ways through your life have you, as you've gone, gone forward now? Well, sure. Because that's pretty big for a five-year-old. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of understanding, rationalization, and comprehension. Right. And so I, I think that when there's been more angst and upset in my life, I've, I've either been wishing for something to be different or um, thinking just about me. It's like, oh, if this person would have done this or that differently, my life, um, I wouldn't be feeling quite as, you know, I, I'd have a better outcome. So uh, just taking that kind of responsibility for, you know, everyone has their motivations and their, you know, I didn't grow up with that person's uh 
friends or family or house or school or community or pressures or challenges or body. And so they're making their choices based on a lot of stuff, as am I. And so I, I can't be um, too wrapped up in what someone else does or doesn't do. I have to decide for myself how I want to be, what kind of man I want to be, and just people will self-filter, you know, toward or away from that. You know, it's funny. I was not funny, haha, but funny, ironic. I was, um, I'm in a number of, of online communities, groups, so that I can continue professionally to grow. And that was one of the topics that came up was that piece of that moment to moment choosing who you're going to show up as, as a man or a woman or whomever. It's like you choose in this moment, right? And you can get sucked into someone else's story about you, mm -hmm. you know, how you've disappointed, whatever, right? But you get to choose who you are. And are you going to show up as fully Sarah, who I mm -hmm. am, or someone else's opinion of what they told me I am? And it's like, you know, and that's a moment to moment sometimes. Sometimes it's a couple of days apart. But uh, it's profound when you do that and you choose who do you want. What man are you going to show up as, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of years ago, I was feeling something very much like that so strongly. And I I was just inspired to write write it down. In a, first, it was a journal. And I thought, oh, I'm going to create a blog article, which I did, called Today is the Best Day of My Life. And it's it's not the best day because it's the most enjoyable or the most anything. It's the best day because it's the day that I'm living right now. I only have this. And every day that's come and gone has come and gone. And every future day, God willing, I, I can't live that till it shows up. And so this this is it. This is it. This is the day. It is the best day. I yeah. know. I, it's such a head game sometimes to just go, what am I all in a twit about? You know, this is a great day. Compared to a lot of other folks who are having a really tough moment at this moment, regardless of how tough my day is. Sure. So, yeah. Alexander, I'm sorry. No, you go. You oh, I was going to say Alexander Solzhenitsyn, if I pronounced that right, uh, right, wrote about that in um, his uh, memoir of being in the Soviet gulag. And so, you know, when he was older and living in a beautiful Vermont, USA, he's like, pretty good, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I don't have a sack of rocks on my back. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's, and I always think about that. Like sometimes people bemoan getting older and think, oh man, the great thing about getting older is you have a comparison. Uh -huh. go, oh yeah. I remember when I was 19 and I thought I'd never be able to navigate whatever the quote unquote this was because mm -hmm. I didn't have any, you know, experience of going, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can mm -hmm. do that. And mm -hmm. I can do that. Um, mm -hmm. So you get to know yourself more for better or worse sometimes. So you have had a wide um, range of training and experience from yoga to neurolinguistic programming and being a love and relationship coach. So do you roll all those up into a ball as you're doing your work? Yes. <laughs> okay. So you know, tell me how that fits for you. Sure. Well, you know, as a coach, I've, traversed some ground i've gotten to some a place perhaps in my life that someone else would like to travel you know cross that ground cross that their own chasm and i'm on the other side saying i'm familiar with a life that doesn't work so well and i know about turning things around and keeping my vows to myself and others and making a better life. And so I can be that uh, kind of guide. And so all of me just gets brought to um, that conversation. It's it's just everything I've done just has informed who I am. And much of it was um, what not to do. <laughs> but that that's how we learn. That is how we learn. I love being able to help somebody skip some of that, some of the worst of the uh, struggles. I like to think of that as like, okay, you're, you're going to fall down from time to time because we all do, but I'd like to help you avoid the big rocks 
so you don't have to have as many bruises or get mm-hmm. different bruises, right? Just right. your own bruises. Hey there, everybody. I want to take just a minute out of this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast to tell you that we are officially opening the Sandbox membership in September. So if you're not already on our mailing list, please click the link below to either sign up for the membership or get on the waiting list for the membership. And if you click the link, you'll find more information about what's included, what our plans are, and better yet, you'll be on early enough to help decide what is most important to you to experience in the first three to six months of the membership. So don't wait. Click the link below and join us in the sandbox where fun happens. We get to do a little R&R, little learning, support one another, and really grow and expand in ourselves, in our lives, and impact the world in a profound way. So come on over, join us. Right. So let's talk about your book, okay? So hold the book up for folks. Let's tell the name of it. Soul Statements. Say again? Soul Soul Statements. statements. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about this. What, when you wrote the book, who were you writing it for? I was writing it for the persons that aren't going to call me for coaching, but who should. And so they could still benefit from my best stuff. And I wanted, and I, I found myself saying a lot of the same things to to, to different coaching clients and I was create coining terms and it was just this wonderful inspired um, creativity and I thought I have to write this down and I thought oh I'll make blog articles and uh, I hired a writing coach <laughs> and she she uh, she said uh, you know think about just making a book and I, my preference, my real preference was to write a memoir, but I didn't want to be that guy who writes another memoir, and then that's their only thing they've ever done. And so I wanted to start off um, with with more important things than how I got through different struggles. So I satisfied that need for myself by sprinkling some anecdotes throughout the book of uh, experiences and how it, what's the value I drew from that and, and, and made it relate to the rest of that chapter. So, so just describe the book. You don't have to read every bit of it, but describe the book and share some of the highlights from it. That So if I'm picking up and reading it, that I'm going to go, whoa. I didn't see that coming or <laughs> I needed that and I didn't even know I needed that. So what how is the book structured and how do folks read it? Well, there's there's 11 chapters and the first chapter is actually an introduction. I didn't want to call it introduction because too many people including myself skip introductions. Yes. <laughs> so I entitled it what this book can do for you. Uh I thought I um and and so there's there's chapters on you know specifically communication specifically you know relationship intimate relationship distress intimate relationship harmony uh, and a, a lot of it's just how to keep realigning with what you value with your own intrinsic value and how to talk to yourself in real time in ways that are more helpful ways that can counteract the oftentimes unhelpful voice in each of our heads so it's and so a soul statement is just this thing you can say in real time as to remind yourself Oh, I'm better than that. I'm bigger than that. I've moved beyond such things. I'm, I'm good 
and what's inside me is truth. And so that way you can calibrate your surface thoughts with what your soul and your cells know to be true. So for instance, if you're um, unsure of a direction to take or you're uh, worrying about something, a soul statement might be, my heart is a trusted guide. And they're like, oh, yeah, hand on your heart. Mm -hmm. My heart will tell me what to do. My heart will guide me. I can trust my heart. And so, or um, if you're not sure that you're up for a particular challenge, a soul statement might be, I can call upon the grit inside me. And, and so it just, it's a real-time uh, reframe to just counteract the old messages and give your brain something better to think. And so uh, I'll actually sometimes, if I have a particularly catastrophizing statement, like, oh, the worst possible thing I could think of, uh, I've learned, now I have this little smirk I do, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm still thinking that again. You know what? I used to believe that, and what's actually true is... You know, like that. So what are the most, you know, what, let's talk about the folks who do pick up the phone, do reach out to you for help, because you're, it's the track, it's a similar track, right? You wrote this for folks who should do that, but haven't yet done that, perhaps. So when folks come to you, Corey, where do you start? I start with finding out what they want. I start by finding out how how they interact. You know, sometimes it's uh, a couple, sometimes it's a single person. And I find out what they tell themselves, how they talk to themselves. What do they make a given thing mean or, or not mean? Uh, and so I just was working with a woman who she's I think in her mid 50s or 50 ish and she still is um, subject to terrible behavior by her mother and so uh, she learned to um, have different perspectives so I can offer my perspective on things and because you know mom's not always wrong and <laughs> and and so it's a person to give a little different perspective and then also to help her choose what she wants to think, what she wants to make, uh, you know, what mom did or said mean. And it can just mean, you know, that's, that's just where mom's coming from. It doesn't define me. It, it doesn't have to be accurate. I can let mom behave the way she will and I can have my boundaries and my voice and my, uh, my sovereignty to feel the way I want to feel. Do you bring in some of your NLP work in that and helping people identify the way they speak to themselves or think internally at all? I don't feel that I need to. NLP is just this kind of underlayer that's just part of my understanding of how things work. And so I don't, I don't do any uh, um, actual practices. Yeah, it's more of a It informs you, though. Yeah, yeah, it informs me. Okay. I'm curious, you know, sometimes we're aware of what our voice is saying. So that's a great example. Like, I can come, that's a very concrete example of my interaction with my mom or a different person, right? But what if the interaction is with myself and I am not aware of the below-the-surface chatter, right? The, like, wow, 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 going on. I just feel it in my body and sometimes not even clear you know it's like I just know things aren't right you know and I'm mad or I'm frustrated or whatever um where would you start in that instance because that, that's not that uncommon I wouldn't think right and I'm a big fan of making time each day just to be still and quiet and if you have that that connection to self, that quiet, easeful mind. And you can use that as an anchor. You can remember, oh, yeah, that's what it feels like when I'm calm and still. 
And so when you're out doing your day, you could pause. Maybe if you're in a social setting, you could excuse yourself to the bathroom or whatever you need to do and just uh, put your hand on your heart and just say hello. <laughs> hello, heart. I know you're there and I know you got me. And then you could declare, you know, I have a beautiful masculine heart. I have a beautiful feminine heart and, and that's okay. And so you, you give yourself something more uh, true and pleasing to contemplate. So that's a, that's a very powerful tool. Even, I mean, not even, but touching your heart with your hand is very powerful. It's grounding. And to feel your own heartbeat is, it's just peaceful, right? It's its its own natural kind of thing going on there. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other ways, you know, that folks can, you know, maintain a positive frame and learn to reframe? Because for some folks, reframing is very natural, and for others, it's like Greek. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in nonviolent communication, Marshall Rosenberg wrote about how these times where we're upset or we feel less than are times that we have forgotten just how lovable we are. And if when you're angry, when a person's angry, I found one of the best things you could do ASAP is to... Um, Offer your own heart love. Like, oh, my heart is, I'm angry probably because my heart has been hurt in some way. I feel offended in some fashion. And so if you can go, oh, yeah, my heart doesn't feel good right now. And then offer empathy or compassion to your own heart and say, you know, now I, as this outward person, now I have you. Like, an offer. Um, that empathy toward yourself. Like, you know, I wasn't, that was a terrible situation for me, me to be in, but you know, Hey heart, it's you and me. We'll, we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. I started doing something. I'm curious if you think this is wacko or not, but um, I started doing something a number of years ago. Cause it's easy when I feel like my heart's hurt. You made me mad. I'm mad. You didn't make me mad. I just let myself get wound up. And um, because I felt hurt or scared or whatever the underlying feeling is. But I realized that if I keep a picture of myself as a little girl, which I do, and I have one of my husband at the same age, right, when he was this young kid, it doesn't matter how grumpy I am. I can look at that and I go, that's who's running the show here. There's little kids here who are a little scared or a little hurt right now. So let's just take it down a notch, right? Be kind. Because mm -hmm. that little kid, that little, you know, those little pictures we had in kindergarten and first grade. And they're so precious. I can't see a kid that age and not just go, oh, my God, you are so precious. And even, you know, myself, my siblings, it's really been an interesting thing for me to step back and go, okay, Sarah, you really are still there, that kid, right? So be nice to her. Don't, don't beat her up because she didn't do as much as you wanted her to do today or whatever. And so I've to be able to externalize that sometimes helps to just go, and it helps me have empathy because then I can see, oh, it's that person, not the person I expect to show up every day and do my work, quote unquote. So, um, but is is that something you would say, don't go there, you're gonna put yourself I over I love that very much. And I like, I, I oftentimes will um, suggest to people to spend time and, and feel your pre-wounded, little boy or little girl before you did anything wrong <laughs> before anybody told you you were right. did anything wrong you're just and you just you knew how to love and you yeah, just absolutely. you wanted to be good and do good and you knew you were good and then that's the person to maybe write a letter to or to just feel and to invite their input and or to just let them know that you grew up and it's it's all going to be okay. Yeah. So now we are as we are recording this, it is the beginning of 2024. Corey and I schedule this back in last quarter, sometimes September, October. Um, 
But I'm curious now, as we're going into this year, Corey, what you are kind of looking forward to and focused on for this year. Well, I'm looking forward to just talking about my favorite subject, soul statements. <laughs> and, you know, I had a coaching client the other day and she said, it's so useful to have this conversation. And that just thrills me to no end. Yeah, yeah. And I just love the, the conversations that I get to have. Yeah. When she said that, what type of conversation did you have? Um, we talked a lot about um, having, you know, operating from old beliefs and helping her update the old beliefs and say, oh, I'm still operating out of this, you know, way of thinking. You know, actually, I, I'm a sovereign grown woman and uh, I can not have to put up with things that I habitually put up with. You know, you think that those are, um, they sound obvious, right? When you're from the external, it sounds obvious. It's not obvious when you're in the midst of it, especially because we each get hooked with different things you know, and it's, it is so important to have those conversations with someone you trust who's skilled and can, can guide you through that and to say, let's look at that. Um, because all the, it doesn't take a lot sometimes for that like pop to happen and then everything just has a different look and feel to it because you're different in that moment mm -hmm. going forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you want to talk about your book. Now, how long has your book been out? Uh, September 19th, this last year. Oh, so not long. Yeah. Not too long. Yeah. And, and I, I, had to, I had to pull it out of publication recently uh, because the Library of Congress took almost a year to get back to me with my number. So I just took it out for a week and put in my number, and it's back up now. <laughs> Is it? But that's the beauty of publishing sometimes. It's like we're digital now. It's like, okay, I can fix it. Yeah, or yeah. Or someone right. says... That, you don't even spell that word that way. Okay, right, not a problem. Right, right. Up, down, right. up, down. Um, right. Now, you said you didn't want to write a memoir. Will you write a memoir? Um, probably not. I, I've, I'm really happy with the anecdotes that I sprinkled into this book. And there was only two or three that didn't make it in. And that's okay. I can tell those to my grandkids. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so one of your quotes, which um, I really liked, was, here comes a cough, um, that you can learn to call up the best part of you in a moment, and the message is you are not your story. Mm -hmm. So um, how do I call that up in a moment, especially when I am, when I may be acting out as that young man did, where I'm just rah, rah, rah. Sure. I call that up. Well, ideally, you've had some sort of regular practice where you're getting in touch with the kind of the who and what you are. And it doesn't have to be sitting on a meditation pillow. For some people, it's, you know, running or um, some form of exercise or movement. Um, and so, if if you are able to, you know, go down into your emotional well or well spring, you can be informed of what you're made of. And so then a soul statement in arises from that. So in the moment you you take the soul statement to remind yourself of what's true and resourceful about yourself. It's, it's a way to bring attention to your deeper resources. So, um, you know, there is strength in my center. I have a certainty that is deeper than my thoughts. And so that inner dialogue, you know, yes, it can easily spiral us down, but it can also spiral us up. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I imagine the more you practice time with yourself and do that, the more automatic and familiar those soul statements become because they feel more and more true. That's right. And then some people just have one soul statement. They're just like, 
their sole statement might be, I got this. And that's good. And they just, you know, I'm like, I made a tough stuff. <laughs> you know, I got this. Whereas other people might have an uh, impromptu soul statement in any given moment. And either way is just fine. And and so when you spend time feeling who you are, um, I love this thing that I, I – I didn't invent the practice, but I coined a term spirit vow for an agreement you have with your inner self. And so an example of a spirit vow would be, I vow to hold my heart as sacred and worthy of protection, or I take you to be my body in this life and to treat you with care and respect. And so as we um, visit this well, this emotional well of what we're made of, then we naturally um, want to sustain and protect and, and honor, you know, our and protect ourselves by using our voice to speak up when something feels awkward or, you know, however we do it. So those are your spirit vows? Those were two spirit vows, yeah. That right, I examples of them. Yeah, yeah. So when you say that, you talk about spirit vows, you talk about soul. Is this tied to any, not a particular religion, but a belief in something bigger than oneself? Well, there's a lot I don't know, including the answer to that question. Although I do believe there's a greater... Um, force in the universe, God, spirit, uh, over soul, and um, people that also believe that tend to be happier. So that's enough for me. And but I've seen enough and felt enough magic in my life. I know there's more. So I, yeah. I really believe in angels and spirit helpers and uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Can you share an example of that? Because I think many people have that, but they don't talk about it. Oh, gosh. Um, well, sometimes I think the angels are working on our behalf, and we don't necessarily know, like, for instance, you know, Carolyn Mace said that any little thing in your life, no matter how small, may potentially be the best thing that ever happened to you. You just don't know. And so I think of that when, say, I'm driving and there's some kind of problem on the road um, and, you know, it's all clogged up and I have to go slower. and I don't know if because I was two minutes later, a half hour from now, maybe I missed an accident because I wasn't in that wrong place at the wrong time. And I just, I think I just let life kind of flow more just because I operate from the fact that I don't know what's best, but I trust that I'm being taken care of and looked after. That's a very, um, it's a way to live that has much more ease in it, which is one of the things that you like to make sure people get to, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And we can, as you said, we can catastrophize and make things so scary. Mm -hmm. And or and it's almost like we're, we're doing advanced worry, for which may end up being for nothing. Right, right, right. It's uh, Hopefully. It's, it, someone, someone a long time ago called it worry is interest on fear. Oh my gosh, it is. <laughs> that's a high one. I think that's a, a high one too. Oh, so. oh, yeah. Well, and also, you know, our our brains aren't designed to keep us happy. You know, they're designed to look for danger, keep us safe. Safety's a higher value from the perspective of our brain, and so. Yeah, if we're looking for things wrong, we will find them. And so why not 
at least attempt to look for what's right because the right, what's right is always somewhere too. It is. And it's just that sometimes I think it's when I'm lazy and I mean like I'm not minding my mind, I can get grumpy. I'm going, wow, 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 I've got to do this. And I'm thinking, well, that's just some like old lazy habit of not even thinking about what you're thinking about, like not even staying up here and being the observer of what's mm. going on mm. versus saying, wow, I get to do A, B, and C. And I like your analogy on the freeway. I do that too. That's one of my ones when people cut you off or something, I'm thinking, wow, I hope their family's okay. And my husband will go, do you know yeah. them? I go, no, but I figured, why would they be driving like that and risking our safety if there wasn't an emergency somewhere? Yeah, yeah. It's like and, just a different story. Right, right. And and I just, um, yeah, you just don't know what's going on with people. And, and also, if I do see it like an actual accident, I'll just say a quick, um, Blessings to all concerned. Yes, yeah. exactly. I'm so glad you're on the planet, Corey. <laughs> Thank you. I am. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit before we kind of wind up here. I want to want I, I want to wonder. I'm curious for you. Um, when you think about the book, what is buried in there or not maybe not even buried but just what's in there that someone may not expect but it'll be their nugget like oh that was worth every effort and interest i put into reading and taking something from this sure well one thing i that comes to mind is that um you know in intimacy you know intimate relationship that's maintained by learned skills like oh like I can learn to be a better communicator. I can learn to withhold judgment and not just run my mouth or say my opinion before actually trying to understand another person. I can learn to give acknowledgement first before expecting any, you know, those, these are all learned skills. And so I can learn to pay attention and validate someone else's experience. I can I can develop the skill of being curious before I do critique. <laughs> I can learn to remember that my partner volunteered for said position. You know, they weren't drafted, <laughs> you know. And and so all of this can be learned. And so I just one of the things I try to do is just kind of pack a lot of value, a lot of nuggets into yeah. the book so that you know, there's more than a bunch of pages that, you know, are, are, are really worth the whole read. And, uh, yeah, I'm very happy with it. And in our relationships, do you think folks give up before they should? I mean, and I mean by giving up is like just not doing that type of work that you're describing, right? Not uh, learning to be different. I think yes. And I think what happens is, they feel worse and worse and worse and they try to feel better in different ways that have mixed results and so then it's like throw up the hands or throw in the towel when it, like one thing i hear from people is oh i wished i'd have known all this stuff going into my first marriage <laughs> right and so i mean i can say that and so yeah it's 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 not um, it's available to anyone in in that you know if i you could say, "Oh, give acknowledgement, give empathy first, you know start there um that's something anyone can do, but you have to know and you have to remember like, oh, that's a better way to go about things, so sure, yeah, yeah, even when you're good at it, I find like I'm generally good with empathy but not always. And um, in those moments where I paused and I thought, wait a minute, how's this on the other person's side? Sometimes it'll bring me to my knees. I'll think, oh my God, if I had to be experiencing it from that side, I'd be scared. And right mm -hmm. now I would need a friend, not someone who knows what to do. Sure. I just and, want well, a friend. Yeah. And, that, and that's an excellent follow-up to that is that, you know, model the things that you want. So if you want, say, your partner to say hello, Sarah, before launching into something, 
maybe say hello to them before you launch into anything. You know, so you're modeling what you want and you're in a you're in better position than to talk about it. <laughs> it's like, and it's easy for me to joke about, but it's not always easy to do, you know. It just isn't. Sometimes you're halfway into something and thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> right, right. I'm not listening. Right. And another another big mistake people make is they they argue about their motivation for doing something improper or less than optimal. Like, but I was, this is what I, you know, my feeling was, and it was like, yeah, that's, you know, like you're the expert on what you were thinking and everyone else is the expert on your impact. Right. And so if we can just learn to um, speak to how we were impacted and then listen to how we impacted someone else, that solves a lot of issues right there. That takes some courage to do sometimes. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but because you want, there's that so you wanna, you want to defend yourself. <laughs> that's right. And one of the tricks to all this is to be with the right person, somebody that can dance with you in this way, and then it's incumbent on you to be the right person. You know, like, oh, I want this and I want that in a partner. Well, are you able to offer that to a partner? <laughs> you know. But the first time that concept was shared with me, and so it wasn't with me. It was like I was in a group where it was being discussed. So, and it was like, first of all, I thought what they wanted in a partner was extremely shallow it, because it's like, wait a minute, that's not even about that person. That's about what that person's going to do for you. But that was one of the questions asked back was like, well, are you prepared to do that for that person? Because they're not ever going to look at you because you're not even showing up as the person you want, you know? And I went, oh, that's so true, you know? Yeah. So powerful, Corey. Okay. So I know that you have resources on your website, things that can help folks. Can you talk a little bit about that and then the best way for people to connect with you? Sure. Um, I, the best way for people to connect with me is on my website, corerelationship.com. And I actually named it that not because my name's Corey, but because the core relationship, the relationship with yourself, your relationship to your higher power is the core. That's where it starts. And so there's lots of articles I've written there. There's links to book a coaching call or purchase uh, soul statements through Amazon or bookshop.org. So that's the spot. Excellent. Hey, folks. So I've got another question for Corey here. Um, I want to know what your daily rituals are. Well, my daily rituals are that I, I wake up fairly early. Uh, so I, I came across something a long time ago. Somebody said, sleeping in is slow walking your life. And I was like, ouch <laughs> i sleep in almost every day and so i don't do that anymore and so i get up that's that's a ritual i you know brush my teeth and all that stuff and i make my breakfast the same way every day so it's like something i don't have to think about i have my oatmeal do my little thing and so those rituals have a sameness so there's not any mental energy really going into what am i going to have for breakfast today or anything like that and but beyond that uh i have some post-its at doorways to remind me to stand up straight um i have my soul statements that i will repeat to myself throughout the day and i think one of the most important rituals is just to sit in stillness and just sit and be really still and feel the and just feel that my own essence and feel the strength and the vibrancy of me. And then I'll say whatever soul statement I want to feel. Um, and like I can I can do whatever I need to do today, uh, for instance. Uh, and then one ritual I really like, I've just had in the past few years, is a digital Sabbath. So on Sunday, uh, the phone stays off and the computer stays off. And so I have a day without looking at screens, which I love. Uh, and then I have a monthly renewal day where it's just me and I'm off in nature somewhere. Um, it doesn't mean uh, sometimes I'm sitting by a stream just 
watching the water. Sometimes I'm doing a hard hike, but I'm just out in the in nature. And uh, and also I have daily exercise. And some days it looks like more. Some days it looks like less. And the the thing I go by is just don't do nothing. <laughs> like like I've done something today. I just did some curls. I did some sit ups or whatever it is. And so I can't let the day go by with just nothing for exercise. So that that's important to me. And then the other thing I the last thing I can think of right now is I have a alarm on my phone for every Saturday at 4 p.m. The, my phone alarm goes off and it says, call your mother. <laughs> so that, that's I've, actually a pretty cool thing. <laughs> so I have a weekly, you know, touch base with my mother, which I mean, that's in the old days, I would have gone months and months without checking in. And now I, you know, it's a good thing just to say hi. It is a good thing to say hi. And it's nice that you've actually got a reminder on there to do that because it's super easy to just let the time go by and not do it. Sure. Well, I mean, I would do it without the alarm, except that she's on the East Coast and I'm West Coast. So by the time I think of it, she's it's if it's eight o'clock. She's already out there. Five o'clock my time. She's already in bed. So then I'm like, oh, I missed it again. So I set the alarm. OK, four o'clock, an hour before she goes to bed, I can say hi. That works. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good daily ritual, weekly ritual and monthly ritual. I like the um, digital day off. Very good. So what do you wish I would have asked you that I didn't ask you, Corey? <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, I can think of things I like. I thought of this term just today about a soul statement that I think, oh, I'll share that on the podcast because I just thought of it. And I'm like, oh, it's you're like taking an emotional snapshot. Like the snapshot you want to have and to hold, like that's what I want to feel. Anyway, the emotional snapshot, I just thought of that today. I didn't mention it. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, I think um, one of the things that I thought about pre-show was when you talked about kind of some traits me or other successful people possess and I something that's I've only incorporated in probably the past five years is a complaint fast so you know and I would when I was first starting I'd write down every day whether I did it or not and if I uh, said a complaint then you know I start back at day one I can try to see how many days I can without uh, speaking a complaint and then when I felt like I was decent enough, I was doing better at that, then I said, you know, I'm going to count it even if I just think the complaint. And and that's that's still something that I'm not perfect with by any means. But at least I'm saying, oh, you know what, that's just a complaint. I, I'm bigger than my complaints or whatever I want to say. So fasting from complaints, I'm a big fan of. What's the longest stretch you've gone before you've caught yourself? Um, on the on the um, counting the internal complaints, either Only, or yeah, the the outward complaints, you know, three weeks something ish, and then the internal maybe like two days. <laughs> yeah, so, that internal one's tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our so. tricky little internal selves. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then just for and then just maybe for you the uh, when you asked about. Uh, practices, tools, books, or, yeah. or what I've been reading right now. And I just, there's a perennial, you know, return to book that's so good. And it's just a collection of poetry. Um, and by John O'Donohue, it's called To Bless the Space Between Us. And there's a, there's a, a poem for, you know, when a, when your child is born, uh, when a, when a parent passes over, uh, for a young man or a young, you know, graduating, you know, um, going out in the world for the first time, and then a different one for a woman. And there's just all the life events you can think of. Are, uh, there's a poem to that person at that time, and it's just um, quite brilliant. John O'Donnell. You go back and forth to that book. I do. And then two other books I read lately that are just, I love books 
about someone who had the normal life challenges or maybe more than normal challenges, but just their humanity and their choice to to hold to their humanity just not only got them through, but they were such a different person on the other side, or they were able to help so many other people during and at, during. And so one is The Saint and the Sultan by, by Paul Moses. And it's the story of St. Francis before he was St. Francis and how he grew up as a young man, son of a rich merchant, and he went to war and it was horrible and terrible and he killed people and it was just all for some stupid reason. And then he was in a dungeon for over a year and his father was disgusted with him and wouldn't pay the ransom. So his mom secretly saved up and then paid his ransom and sprung him from the dark cellar. And, but, if, but that's when he had his big epiphany and how he became what we know as St. Francis. And at some point he decided to travel to Egypt to try to talk to the sultan the big dude on the other side during the middle of one of the crusades so he crossed into enemy lines and was taken prisoner on purpose to go to try to meet this guy to try to convert him to christ then we could all stop fighting each other and they had about eight uh, a week or 10 days of of uh, dialogue and him trying to convince them about Jesus and the Lord and him saying, well, what about this? And they had this back and forth and, you know, he didn't convert them to Christianity, but as a gesture of goodwill, he said, well, I'm going to release all the Christian prisoners. Um, they can go back with you. And so, you know, but anyway, St. Francis, that's a, that's a great book, The Saint and the Sultan. The Saint and the Sultan. Yeah. And then nice. another uh, single-handed about this man who was captured by the Germans in World War II, he's an American, and how he got through, no, I'm sorry, he was in a concentration camp, he was Jewish in Nazi Germany, and he survived, and how he survived with his humanity, with sneaking, stealing food, and then giving it away to everyone else in his little area, and all this stuff, and it just, his optimism, and then he got to America and became a citizen, and then fought in Korea and was captured and was in this North Korean prison camp. And just the the way he just, every second of every day was about trying to make the people around him have a better time. It just, it was amazing, single-handed. And he won the Medal of Honor for that, by the way. So, yeah. And what was the name of that, do you recall? Single-handed. Single-handed, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are a very diverse person, and um, as I'm sure we all are, but I mean, it's interesting to me when I listen to the things that draw your interest, the way you've spent your life up to this point, right, mm -hmm. um, and where you pay attention and how you show up. So, again, I just really appreciate you being on this show, Corey. Oh, thank you very much, Sarah. Um, I want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast, for giving us something to think about, but more, I think more than think about it is to feel about it, you know, to really feel, um, because I do think, feel this year is a good time for us to get, stay more in touch with how we're feeling and how our impact because of how we're acting and take ownership for that. Mm -hmm. And I think your book on soul relationships is a golden key to help us do that better. Thank you, Sarah. I will give you the last word before I sign us off. So it's all yours. Well, you know, I was thinking just today that I was thinking about what are what's some of the best advice I've ever been given. And what I immediately thought of was don't think that your problems are greater than anyone else's. Everyone's going through stuff. Yours are yours, theirs are theirs. And uh, and uh, it also reminded me of something else I heard somewhere, uh, another place, which is the hero and the coward initially feel the same thing. 
flow. Okay. We will leave it with that. Folks, go check out, number one, check out his website. Check out the book. Um, everything about relationships is kind of where we're at in the world right now. So I think it's a great place for us to begin the year and stay true throughout the year. And Corey, again, thanks for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Sarah. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic business coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. Please remember to rate, leave a five-star review, and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Till next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.